this whole idea or the trend of irresponsibility came from. Uh, we live in a very irresponsible society and a culture that thrives and has found ways to even gain through being irresponsible. And as a, as a society, we even support, t- collectively, we support irresponsibility. We pay more taxes. We, 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 you know, we pick up the pieces where other people decide to shirk their responsibility. We all know this is true. And um, that can be rather frustrating, but it seeps that thinking and that, that, that cultural um, movement. It's not just out there. We actually find out that's in all of us. The opportunity to, to, to shirk our responsibility or to pass the buck is in every single one of us. And uh, what we found out last week was that in the very beginning of all creation, God created man and he, he made Adam and Eve to be responsible. We talked about that last week. All of us were created to be responsible and we're, we're most fulfilled or we're happiest when we're bearing responsibility well. When we're managing our responsibilities, when we're doing things the way God designed us, it makes us actually feel good because God... He put that inside of us so that we would, we would respond to a call on our lives to be responsible, to be managers. And then we looked at Adam and Eve, how they passed the buck. You know, they, they blew past the boundary. God called them on it. And then they pointed fingers at, at other people rather than owning their responsibility. They passed the buck. And we saw how that irresponsibility created conflict in their lives. Um, and the same is true for all of us. Whenever we're irresponsible... That creates conflict in, in everybody that's connected to you is, is invited into that conflict when we're irresponsible. But also there's conflict inside of us because God made us to be responsible. So when we're irresponsible, we're conflicted because it, we recognize God built us to manage responsibility. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about a similar principle and tie it to this area of, of responsibility. And it's a principle that you can learn to leverage, you've probably all heard this principle before, but you can learn to leverage this principle and use it for your benefit, or you can ignore the principle and you can receive the consequences. And um, like I said, it's something we've heard before, but for some reason we let this whole principle that I'm going to look at, we let it kind of slide to the periphery of our thinking and we lose sight of it and then we just move on in life, we ignore it and we do pay the consequence. And it's kind of like... Uh, there. If, if there was an immediate consequence that came from ignoring this principle, we might pay closer attention to it. And I want to show you a clip to kind of get us moving here. And so you're, you're probably all familiar with this movie, it's Pinocchio. And um, you may have you know, watched this growing up on this movie. But let's watch Pinocchio and, and, Pinocchio and see how there were some immediate consequences in his life or actions he was taking. Again, uh, the lady, uh, ooh, the fairy. What does she say? What will I tell her? Well, you might tell her the truth. By Pinocchio. Uh, uh hello, Sir Jimmy. Well, uh, this is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Pinocchio, why didn't you go to school? School? Well, I... Uh, go ahead, tell her. I was going to school till I met somebody. Met somebody? Yeah, uh, two big monsters with big green eyes. Why, I... Monsters? 
Weren't you afraid? No, ma'am. But they tied me in a big sack. You don't say. And where was Sir Jiminy? Huh? Oh, Jiminy. Just leave me out of this. They put him in a little sack. No. Yes. How did you escape? I didn't. They chopped me in a firewood. Oh, oh, look! My nose. What's happened? Perhaps you haven't been telling the truth, Pinocchio. Perhaps. Oh, but I have. Every single word. <laughs> If your nose grew every time you lied, I bet you'd get a grip on lying. <laughs> and I mean, if every time someone asked you a question, you would pause and you'd think, I better get this right because I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want my nose to start growing any longer than it already is, you know. And I, I, if this were the case, if there was always an immediate consequence. Um, then we wouldn't ignore this principle. Here's the principle. It's at the top of your listening guide. People reap what they sow. People reap what they sow. You've all heard this before. You know, this, this principle is somewhat like gravity. It's a true principle. God has wired into life. This is always true. People reap what they sow. And it's as true as gravity. If I hold this book up, I let go of it. We all know what's going to happen, right? It's going to float, right? No, it's going to drop because it's a principle. It's a principle. It's a law. It, we don't. God doesn't mess with the way he's designed the world to work. There are certain laws and principles that he just doesn't mess with. Otherwise, it would disrupt things. You know, if we saw books floating and if we saw boats sinking, I mean, there, he, there's some things that allow for buoyancy, you know, that we have come to expect as true. We don't. Um, we don't, we don't mess with the principle of gravity. We don't go and step off of buildings checking to see if this is going to be true every time. We want to test this out. Well, this principle, in the same way, it's true every single time for every person everywhere. And it actually is something that we find in the Bible. In, in a book, the Bible has 66 books. It's a collection of books. It's a library of books. But in a book that was written about 2,000 years ago, the book of Galatians, has some verses that really talk about this whole idea of people reap what they sow. And, you know, God is not up in heaven with a crystal ball saying, you know, looking at all of our lives and we all pop up on the crystal ball and he says, punish, bless, punish, bless, punish, 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 bless, punish. It really is tied, in fact, to our sowing, to our actions in life, our lives and our consequences are tied. We're very much connected to what we do in our lives. And so I want to look at Galatians chapter 6. This is a letter written from Paul. Paul was a first century church starter. He had become a Christian and then um, he had been given the, uh, the responsibility or the assignment to go and spread the message of Jesus throughout the area. And so he really got after it. He started spreading the word about Jesus. And as news spread, churches began to sprout. And he would set leaders in these churches, and then he'd keep in touch with these leaders through letters. And some of the letters written to the church leaders are the books that we have in the Bible, some of them, in the New Testament. Okay, book of Galatians, the one we're going to look at, is a letter written to the church in Galatia, which was one of those churches that he had begun. 
And it was a, a hostile church environment. And so he was writing them a, a letter to set some things in order, but also to help them figure out how do I grow as a Christian? Because this was written to new Christians. And, and he, you know, as a, hold on a second, I'm frozen up here. He had, as he's writing this letter, he was dealing with all sorts of different topics. And this is near the end of the letter. And one of the things that comes up in this book is personal responsibility. He lays out some principles in the previous verses that we're going to look at that that tell us we're to be responsible for serving and helping other people. This is part of what God would want for all of us, that we're to look after other people, not just ourselves, But then that whole idea of helping and serving other people should never be an excuse for acting irresponsibly on our own. So you can't ever say, you know, I was helping other people. That's why I dropped the ball in my own life. I was too busy helping. So he's he's trying to say, you know, be careful with how you handle this. But let's look at Galatians chapter six, starting at verse three. It goes like this. If anyone thinks he is something like if you ever if you ever say that, I'm really something or you think that I'm really something, you know, I'm just. I'm really something here. I look pretty good. You know, compared to everyone else, I'm really, I got it all together. They seem to have things falling apart in their life, but I've kind of got it together. And he says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He introduces us to this idea of self-deception and how self-deception begins with us choosing to compare ourselves to other people. When we start looking around at the lives of other people, what they've got in their life, their circumstances, it's very easy to deceive ourselves and to not think and see clearly um, about our own lives. And it's interesting, as comparison leads to self-deception, it's very, very easy to just have a skewed view of what God wants you to do with your own life. It's very easy to just miss some really important things. So he continues on, he says in Galatians 6, 4, it says, each one should test his own actions. This means that we need to measure our own actions by ourselves. Measure or compare ourselves to ourselves. Um, Don't compare yourself or try to measure yourself to other people. He says just focus on who you are, what God has assigned to you. um, But if you see yourself as better, you're likely to slack off and become irresponsible. And I know that as I've done this in life, as I've looked around at other people, I, I see the life that they're living and I begin to think, man, well, if I had that, you know, if my dad was their dad, you know, their dad is, he owns this. And so, of course, they have all these things. Or if I went to the school that they went to, you know, of course, I could have all those things. Or if I, if, you know, if I lived in the location where they lived, well, of course. And so, again, we focus too much on their life and we miss what God wants us to be responsible for. Because God will check in with each of us on how we handle life. And responsibility. So he just says, quit comparing. Don't measure yourself. Look what he goes from there. He says, then, speaking of, if you'll quit comparing, he says, then he can take pride. This isn't the bad kind of pride. This is the good kind of pride. He can take pride. He can feel good about himself, in a sense, without comparing himself to somebody else. Because as long as I compare myself to other people, um, I make excuses. And I don't make any progress. Progress, we find out. The Scripture really teaches this principle. Progress comes only through refusing to compare. When we refuse to compare, we can actually move forward in life. And that's in your listening guide. And we talked about this principle last week, about where we should focus our attention in life. 
But this is a point that Paul's trying to make in this book. We've got to stop looking around at the, at the other people and just be responsible for our own selves. Verse 5, he says, For each one, or everyone, for all people, should carry his own load. This is Paul's way of saying, you ought to take responsibility for your own life. You're not responsible for other people's lives, for taking care of their core responsibilities. You need to take care of your own load in life. The load here that he's referring to is the, just the daily obligations that we have. Every single one of us has some personal obligations that we've got to manage. Every single one. You have family responsibilities, you have financial responsibilities, you have daily responsibilities. We talked a little bit about this last week, but even for your health and your well-being, you, there are certain things, you know, it's, I know it's hard to remember to eat your Wheaties and to eat balanced meals and to, you know, to have some greens with your, you know, the, but there are certain things that that's just our responsibility to take care of. Every one of us has to carry our own load in life. And then verse 6 kind of moving quickly through this. But verse 6, we're not going to really look at that verse. You can, if you've got a Bible, you can, you can read it. Um, but we're going to skip this verse. But what Paul is saying in verse 6 is he's referring back to another idea. He's saying, you are to carry your own load, but I'm not saying you don't look out for other people. Because he talks in verse 6, it says, anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. He's saying, look, you're still to look out for people who are pouring into you, who are making investment spiritually into you. So he's saying, carry your own load, but also consider other people in your life. He kind of hops back and forth between this idea because he's not wanting to let us off the hook in either of them. Something he wants us to keep in balance. Our own personal responsibility, but then not to be so myopic or so self-focused that we don't just look past our own nose and our own family, but we look at the world around us, we look at the church that we're a part of, the, the city that we live in, and we try to think about how can I be helpful to other people. He's talking about spiritual leaders here, that it's a responsibility to take care of spiritual leaders. That's something that Paul is saying the church is responsible for. But, And he's saying that because he's saying, look, you are to take care of your spiritual leaders, but don't, again, use that as a reason to not be responsible. Like, well, if I didn't have to give, then I could... I could pay my bills. But since i got to give, I can't pay my bills. Well, Paul's kind of saying, look, you have to be careful with your thinking again. Then verse 7. This is the key verse for this passage. Verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived because we're all very good at tricking ourselves, at deceiving ourselves. He says God cannot be mocked. God cannot be outsmarted. We're pretty good at outsmarting other people, outwitting other people. But Paul's kind of saying, God is not your mama. He's not like your mama. And we're all, I don't know about you, but my mom was kind of easy to, to pull a fast one on. And maybe you're thinking the same. You know what? Yeah, mom was kind of easy to pull a fast one on. Because you might have been young and, and you deceived and outsmarted your mama. And so when it comes to God, it's really easy to think, man, he's, he's kind of gullible too. I bet I can pull some, some things out of God and he won't really notice. Maybe um, as a kid or a teenager, maybe you called your mom and said, Mom, you know, I didn't know there was going to be beer at the party, and I tried to tell the officer that, but he didn't believe me, and so he threw me into his car, and I'm down here, and I need you to come and get me out, Mom. Oh, don't you worry. I'll be right down there. I'll bail you out. I'll be there before it's 10 o'clock, and you'll get, I'll help you brush your teeth. And, and you know, you're, thanks, Mom. You know, thanks, Mom. I'm so, so glad you understood me, and... Or maybe you outsmarted your daddy somehow, you know. 
you call your dad and you say, you know, Daddy, I don't, I don't know what happened. You know, I think the bank made a mistake with my checking account. I got, I got plenty of checks, but I got no money. And I, I don't know what's going on here, so can you float me some money so that they can resolve this issue? Because, you know, obviously someone made a mistake. Oh, Dad says, don't worry, son. You know, I'll be right down there. I'll make a deposit right now and everything will be fine. Oh, thanks, Dad. You know, or, or your teacher. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened. You know, the teacher didn't say that that information was going to be on the test and so I didn't study it. And your mom says, oh, don't worry. I'll go down there today, right after school. I'll have a parent-teacher conference. We'll get this settled, honey. Thanks, Mom. What Paul is saying here is God is not like that. God is not your mama. God is not your daddy. God is not your gullible teacher, your principal. You know, he's not the mayor. And he's saying, look, God cannot be deceived. He's not deceived. He can't be mocked. God's not that way. You may have been able to be irresponsible, all of us, and get by with it as we were growing up. But God can't be fooled in the same way. God, we can't outsmart him. We can't outwit him. We can't get, you know, Fool things by him. He's not even fooled by our religious systems. I don't know what, what kind of religious system you were raised in, but here's one that I was kind of brought up in. If I just attend, attend church, then I could do whatever I want to do. Attending church is kind of equivalent to uh, you know, getting a pass in some of our minds. And so I was kind of brought up, oh, as long as I attend church, then I can live however I want to live. God He's not deceived by that. God's not fooled by our attendance. Or maybe you learned a verse somewhere along the way growing up. There's a verse in the Bible that says this. And it's a true verse. But we can twist this verse. If we confess our sins, this is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then someone taught us a song that Jesus makes us as white as snow when we confess our sins. And so we grow up with this idea that, you know what, all I really need to do Live however I want. As long as I confess my sins, then then it's like God, you know, He forgot about my sins. He's my, I'm white as snow, and and all of a sudden I I come to Him and I say sorry, God, and I'm really. And he's like, what? I I don't even remember what you're talking about, Josh. God's not like that. Again, Paul's really saying, look, God can't be fooled. Maybe you were raised in a different system that went a little like this. It involved maybe going to a confession booth with the priest, so you were told that you just had to tell the priest all of your sins, you'd recite some magic words, and then he would absolve all of your guilt and all of your sin. And you kind of walk out of that confessional booth with your sin bucket all empty, right? And you're feeling pretty good. This thing is empty. And you're thinking, I've got to go fill this thing back up. This thing worked really great. I go out and live however I want again. As long as I get back there Saturday night or whenever the confessional is open, I go back in, I bring my bucket back, and I, I get that thing all cleared out. So we really think, this is awesome. I've got this figured out. And whether you're raised in a church like I was or a different kind of church, God is not fooled by our religious systems. He's smarter than that. Paul's saying, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He's not stupid. He's not gullible. Do we think that God forgot about the sins in the Bible, like the sin of David and Oh, thanks. I forgot. No, I didn't really forget. But do you think that's God? Like, what's her name? David and who? No, he doesn't do that. He, he, he does 
But God, I, I sang this song that said, I'm white as snow and you've cleared my sins as far as the east is from the west. And so what? So we get these we pick these ideas out of songs that we sing because we don't understand fully what the song is saying necessarily. And we live our lives with this understanding that God can be tricked. He can be mocked by us, by our lifestyles. We can do whatever we want. But then comes this amazing principle. A man reaps what he sows. God can't be deceived, you know. He's not mocked. He reaps what he sows. It's not good or bad. It's just It, it just is. Where we are today is a result of choices, your choices, other people's choices in the past. And this is, some, this is very often, in many painful ways, very, very difficult because we know, we know this is true. We reap what we've sown in life. And some, sometimes um, we start thinking, man, that's just not fair. I didn't deserve what I'm, what I'm reaping right now. I didn't deserve what I'm experiencing right now. But there's a relationship between these things. And Paul doesn't say this. He, said, he doesn't say whatever a person sows, that's what they're going to reap unless they're forgiven or they ask for forgiveness. Or, or we reap what we sow and, unless we get ourselves in the church and we start praying. And you might be thinking, but I'm doing my best. But the truth is, for the last five years, maybe you weren't doing your best. That was sowing, and now you're reaping. Because right now, anytime we're experiencing conflict or chaos in our lives, we've most likely sown that years before. We've sown some, some things in our life. We've made some decisions. We've, we've chosen some things. And doing our best right now doesn't just go back and magically white out or erase all the sowing in our lives. And that's sobering to hear for us. And we don't like to hear that. But doesn't God love me? Doesn't you know? I've I've been told that God loves me and that He forgives. The truth is, He does. Does God forgive? Yes, He does. Does He remember where we go off course? Yeah, He does. I'm a good. I try to be a good dad. At least I'm working on this. I love my son. Do I forget about the things that they do wrong? No. Do I forgive them for it? Yes. God, He's a, He's much better than any of us as parents. But He's a perfect heavenly Father. Does he forgive sin? Yes. Does he forget about our sin? No, he doesn't forget about our sin. But he does not hold us accountable for it in Christ. If we commit our lives to follow Christ, he won't bring that back up and allow us to suffer the full consequences of our sin. However, in this life, we still reap what we've sown in life. It doesn't go away. And what you're experiencing right now may be from five years back down the road, 15 years back down the road, it doesn't go away. You can't wish your way out of it. You can't pray your way out of it. You can't serve or love your way out of it. It just is. And it works, it works both ways. That's the great part and the most encouraging part about this message and about this passage is that it doesn't just end there and it's like, oh, great, I feel crappy today, you know. That was depressing. I went to church and I was told, you know, I reap what I sow and so, you know, great. The truth is, in a, in a positive sense, we reap what we sow. When we sow good, and there's all sorts of blessing that comes from that. But we will reap. Another thing about reaping and sowing is this. A principle, we will reap later and greater. Later is why we cannot give up doing the right thing right now. That's why we press on to do what's right before God, towards our family, with our finances. It's also... The same reason why we give up when we're doing the right thing, because it's later. It's not like Pinocchio. There's not this immediate consequence. 
And that's part of why we give up. Because if we, if we think, oh, I'm doing the right thing today and right now, and on Tuesday, things aren't better in our lives, then we get discouraged and we give up. But God, I sowed really good on Monday, and Tuesday, Wednesday were horrible for me. Well, it, it's, it's later. The blessing often comes later. And so, it, it's so easy, though, to, to think and to step into comparison in this whole area. God, why am I being responsible to help my kids get into college and all the irresponsible kids are getting scholarships? That's just not fair, God. But later is why we give up too soon and why we envy irresponsible people. Greater, we also reap greater. Greater is the hardest part because this is the emotional part. Whatever you sow for good or for bad is generally going to be bigger and badder than you can possibly imagine. It's not fair. We always reap greater for what we've sown. So a person sows irresponsibility in their finances and says, I know I was foolish, but I don't deserve all this. But the truth is, we reap greater. It doesn't seem fair. It's not. God doesn't mess with this principle as well. He allows it to be. We, we do reap greater. Imagine your house got broken into. There's a thief who comes in and he hides out in your house. And you know he's in there. Maybe you sneak a peek and you run into your room. You lock the door. You call the police. And for 30 minutes, they're trying to find your house. And he doesn't come in. But you're scared. You're not sure if he's stealing your jewelry and your dishes. And you're not sure if he's going to come in and with a knife. And the police bust down the door. They capture the guy. They take him away. And you go to court. And the judge says, you know what? For 30 minutes, Mr. Criminal, you know, you tortured them in their room. You, you scared them for 30 minutes. You're going to jail for 30 whole minutes. You know, if you're there, you're thinking, what? That's ridiculous. 30 minutes. But, you know, that's how we think about this whole idea of reaping and sowing. Oh, I, I reaped 30 or I sowed 30 minutes of bad. I should only have 30 minutes of, of, of you know, consequence. So we were yelling at the judge, no, he needs way more than that. And she says, okay, I'm going to double it, you know. Go to jail for an hour, you know. That's, does that make you feel better? No. We were pressing for five years, 15 years. Lock him up, throw away the key, three strikes, he's out. Because I was, you know, I was in a bad spot. But we can't expect, expect fair, because God, He doesn't mess with this principle in that way. He doesn't tweak it for, for people who pray more. The truth is we do reap what we sow. And this principle is a gift to us because God has shown it to us ahead of time. He wants us to be responsible. The truth is our responsibility will reward us. And in the next steps, there's some things I want to just encourage you to consider again. The first one is this. Remember the pie chart we looked at last week? This pie represents all of the chaos and conflict in our lives. It's all in the pie. Everything that's in the pie is the chaos and conflict. And the very first thing to do with this whole area of personal responsibility is to go back and ask, what is my slice of the conflict? What is my slice of the pie? Oh, sorry. There's no pie. <laughs> Imagine a pie with a slice there. <laughs> you know, I don't like what's happened to me. I don't, I, you know, but I understand. It's important for us to own our slice of the pie. I don't like where my kids are headed, but I do understand that I checked out emotionally. That's owning our slice of the pie. I don't like where my marriage is at right now, but I do understand that when the kids arrived, we got more focused on the kids than we did on this relationship. And that's why we're at where we're at. 
that's owning our slice of the pie. Or, you know, okay, I didn't think the bank was honest, or I didn't think the loan officer was honest, but we bought the house. We signed the papers. No one forced us to buy the car, the timeshare. Timeshare. No one forced me to do that. You know, I acted irresponsibly on my own. And for all of us that have made financial decisions that were irresponsible, we have to own that. So that's the first step is just saying, God, help me to own this. I know we're in this huge financial mess, but we did misuse credit cards. I'm not going to point my finger to anybody else. I'm going to own my slice of the pie. Or maybe it's your spiritual growth. You know, I committed my life to Christ two months ago or two years ago or 20 years ago. And nothing in my life is different. I thought God was going to change things in my life. But I didn't do anything to grow. I didn't take initiative. I didn't spend time with God. I didn't, I didn't take advantage of the opportunities to grow that, that God allowed for me. I guess that's my responsibility. It's just going through whatever conflict or chaos or area of frustration you have and just asking, what is my slice? What is my responsibility? And the second thing is this. It's a little harder. To begin, it's this, to begin to do the things that I should have been doing all along. Now, this is the principle of sowing and reaping. Deciding to sow now where you should have been sowing all along. Financially, in your marriage, with your kids, with your faith. You know, just begin to sow the right things. Listen to how Paul finishes this passage. He says in 6.9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So you own your, so your slice and then you begin to do what you should have been doing all along. And this is where the principle works to our advantage. This is where we can leverage this principle because the rewards are oftentimes greater, like I said, than what we deserve even. I've seen this most often in finances. When a couple buckles down, they realize they're in, they're in bad shape and they, they just decide, let's, let's really go after this financial mess that we're in together. Let's not dig ourselves into a deeper ditch, but let's tackle this thing together and begin to sow financial responsibility in the way that we handle our lives. They'll be, they, begin to, they begin to spend wiser, they begin to save money. They begin to give back to God in the way that He's, he's, uh, he's commanded to. And, it, and things begin to turn around. But it's because they begin to sow. And oftentimes, God brings that. They reap greater. Maybe they get out faster than other people. It, it's because this principle really does work both ways if we'll take it seriously. And if you're 25 years and old or younger, if you're... If you're in college or you're just 25 years and younger, let me tell you what people in their 40s might be thinking right now. I wish I heard this stuff when I was 25 years and younger. But the truth is, for those in their 40s and older, you all have heard this stuff at different points throughout your life. But most likely, it's just we think, oh, you know, I can put that off. I can, I can focus on this stuff later in life. I've got time. I'll work on that stuff later. It's not going to catch up with me. But we're, we're oftentimes reaping what we've sown from years past in some areas of our life. Whether it's our marriage, our money, our kids. It catches up with us every single time. But let me encourage you to walk away with the thought of, you know what, I, I, I do want to start. I want to, I want to sow right now. I want to begin a new pattern of sowing 
in a specific area of my life. I'll own my responsibility personally, and then I want to sow something different from here on out. And if I'm married, I'm not going to look at my wife as an opponent or the enemy, or my husband as the enemy who's, who's created this mess. Or, but I'm going to join with them and decide, let's begin to sow responsibly in whatever area we need to sow in. It, it is, if it's your spiritual life, again, I'd encourage you to consider, how do I need, what does God want me to do right now? I know He wants me to spend time with Him. You know, just begin to sow a new pattern. And God, you know, because this principle is true, you will reap the rewards of, of good sowing in your life. Memorizing this verse might be helpful too. It's that key verse. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It's a really easy verse to memorize. Just keep this in your mind. I can't pull one on God. He can't be tricked. He can't be mocked. He doesn't mess with this principle. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes, comes up. Father, we thank You for truths, God, that we find in Your Word. And truths like this really, really hurt because every single person here, you know, we all recognize that there's some choices we've made that we're paying for right now. God, and I look at my life and I recognize there's some things that I want to change, but I'm dealing oftentimes with what I've sown years ago. So, Lord, I pray that You'd help me not to get angry or to not start comparing or just choose to, to be frustrated and become irresponsible just because I'm dealing with some difficulty. But Lord, help me to, to leverage and just capitalize on the truth of this principle. God, that if I will sow right now, and if I'll lock my life on things that are pleasing to You, if I'll lock my life on the truth that You've revealed in Your Word, the Scripture, God, that I will reap good things. I'll reap a reward down the road, Lord, in my marriage, in my finances, in my education, Lord, in my career. And God doesn't mean I'm going to be trouble-free because we all deal with trouble in life. But Lord, this is true. God, help us to not try to find a way around this principle, Lord, but help us to accept it for what it is. God, thank You for cluing us into this important area um, in our lives right now so that we could keep this in mind as we go about our day. Lord, we love You. We ask You for the courage to live this out. In Jesus' name, amen. Cody's going to lead us.